0: Hey, it's Andrew, and today on the show, we have Diana Dejesus, Customer Success Manager Strategist at Catalyst. In this episode, Diana shared advice on how to break into and land a role in customer success, sharing tips she took personally to do so. We then talked about support-driven growth, what it is, where it works best, and how you can apply it. We also discussed how customer support and customer success can best work together and why Catalyst has customer support as a part of their customer success team. And here's today's episode. Hey, Diana, welcome to the show. Hey, Andrew, how are you? I'm good. It's good to have you, Dinah. For the listeners, Diana is the Customer Success Manager Strategist at Catalyst, a customer success platform built to help move customer success to the center of your business. She is also the co-creator of the Open Book of Customer Success and founder of the Customer Success Project on a mission to help others land a job in CS and build their personal brands. Pride to Catalyst, Diana served as a customer experience lead at Hotjar, where we worked together for almost three years. So my first question for you, Diana, is what's the first thing you recommend to any newbie wanting to break into customer success in tech?
1: Ooh, okay, so we're starting with strong questions. <laughs> I would say uh, that the first thing is to learn about what customer success is, and this is a a tricky one because customer success is so different depending on the industry, depending on um, the size of customer success, as far as like, are we talking an enterprise CSM? Are we talking about uh, digital CSM? So there's a lot out there. So obviously starting out with some podcasts some resources, some blogs, and even joining communities like Gain, Grow, Retain to really understand if, you know, this is the right role for you, what does the role entail? And from there, um, as you're learning, you can get the the bit of information that you need to also do well on the interviews.
0: Very nice. Yeah, I think obviously, like it's a great place to get started because, like you said, customer success is really it varies greatly depending on who you ask and what the definition is. And I think like a lot of uh, people in customer success will agree this is probably one of the biggest problems within customer success is that there's just so many different definitions and no one really has a clear understanding. So. When it comes to hiring and expectations and goals and things like that, it can really vary drastically from company to company.
1: I 100% agree. I remember I was chatting with someone who was looking for a mentor for their customer success um, uh, manager on their team. And so I was like, yeah, I mean, I can talk to you to see what's going on here. And then as I was listening more and more to, to the role itself, I was like, oh, this is a customer support role, not necessarily customer success. And then they were like, well, yeah, you know, customer success is support. And then client success is actually customer success. So again, it's like, it is so different depending on, you know, where you are, what industry, what company and all that.
0: And then you can go to another completely different company and they'll say, it's everybody's job to make the customer yeah. successful. So customer success is everyone's job. Um, yep. So. You have a new role now as well uh, at Catalyst, customer success manager strategist. Like what does that entail? What do you currently do at Catalyst?
1: Yeah, so this role, uh, I started it around December, kind of like a slow launch into the role. And really what we realized was that there was a need in our industry to have someone that was the voice for customer success managers. So a customer success manager strategist, to us here at Catalyst, is someone that is helping CSMs level up. Uh, we are sharing the resources that they need. Like, you know, I, I don't think I'm the only CSM that's ever questioned, like, is my QBR deck good? Um, am I hitting the right points here? Am I actually doing the things that help me become a trusted advisor? How do I become more strategic? How do I polish my discovery skills? So, there are a lot of things that CSMs. I, the ICs directly need to just level themselves up in their job, but also, um, to our peers in the rest of the tech industry, customer success is sometimes like, what do we, it's a mystery. Like, what do we actually do? What, how does this, what well, how does this department impact the ultimate, I guess, um, the revenue of of the company, and sometimes that's hard to understand what that impact directly is from the customer success team. So even teaching our peers in tech what is customer success and why it should be, um, you know, held at a higher uh, value is something that I'm trying to do in this role.
0: Very cool. What was that sort of the infliction point or the pain that you really felt? Like when did you sort of realize that this is something we really needed? Yeah.
1: So this is something that uh, Edward, our CEO, and Sid, our now VP of Customer Success at Catalyst, they they were kind of talking through some of the needs that, that they were realizing um, in the space. And they were like, who could do this? Like, who could maybe create this content? And then they were like, oh, you know, we have someone that's quite loud on our team, and it's always uh, producing content. Um, and so they approached me with that. And I was like, yeah, it'd be crazy not to do this because it, it really does blend two of the things that I love, customer success and also the content uh, piece and community.
0: Yeah. I think from like myself, obviously seeing after you left Hot Show, you've done an amazing job. And uh, that was like the first question really. I was like, what does it take to break into customer success? Seeing at the customer success project and the content you put out, we had a chat a couple of weeks ago talking about the things you're doing on TikTok as well. And uh, maybe talk to us a little bit about that like what was the motivation of uh, diving into tiktok what some of the content you're putting out there and what are the results you see because i even see like posts on linkedin i was looking today when i was just putting together your bio and people are, like shouting out and say thanks Dinah, managed to get a job and a role in customer success and uh, yeah so tell us a little bit about that
1: yeah tiktok was a, like a like a like a happy accident i would say um So it all started with my friend. Uh, We used to work at a law firm together. We were both paralegals. She was like, oh my God, you would totally do so well on TikTok. Why don't you? And I was like, I don't know. It's kind of like such a young application. Like, I don't think there's a space for me there. But um, at the time, I had recently also launched this ebook And the ebook for me was something that I wanted to try because I wanted to see how it was like to build something from scratch. Like, here's my idea. How do I market this? How do I promote it? how do I uh, drive value? Is this thing valuable? Um, It's it's something that I've been very interested in, just like starting something from scratch. And so after maybe a week or two, the ebook was dead. Like people, the people that were going to buy it had bought it. You know, I had a subscriber list of like 300 people and like maybe, I don't know, 20 of those people bought. And I was like, well, crap, this is not, this is dead pretty much. Um, And so I started the TikTok and my mission was, I do want to help people land customer success jobs. In fact, all of the resources that I've created, like Keep the Customer, uh, the Customer Success Project, it's all been with that in mind. Like, how do I kind of democratize customer success as a field and help people take the first step? And so um, I started creating TikToks and it sucked. Like, it, I was getting no views. It was It was pretty defeating. And I was like, I don't think this is going to work. But then a couple of weeks in, it started to pick up and people would ask questions. They were curious about customer success. Um, people also started buying the ebook, and I was like, holy crap, like this is actually a source of, um, yeah, new, new customers really. And the, the amount of support and questions and requests that I got prompted me to also do like this one-on-one coaching with people that really wanted to take it seriously and break into a customer success role. Um, so that's how the whole TikTok situation started for me.
0: That's very cool. Uh, and obviously it's nice, like wanting to learn something into in- end, getting started and then sort of realize, okay, this can be a great channel uh, for growth, but also, uh, learning at the same time. And yeah, I think like, I find it fascinating sort of the market and the space as well with TikTok. Cause like you say, it's not an audience that you, or it's a, a place that you don't think your audience is, but you like now how much it's taken over and uh the growth that it's seen, like pretty much everybody is on it. Uh, so I still feel yeah. I need to get onto TikTok a bit more as well myself to learn <laughs> a bit more. But
1: when you're ready, let me know.
0: Can you educate? Uh yeah. <laughs> and and like the, the point as well, I think like you mentioned after like a couple of weeks and things out and sucked and nothing was happening. I think like for, for me on the podcast it was even like a year of the show and the show was still doing shit numbers and I was like why am I doing this to myself? Like every single week, like just doing episode week in week out. And then it was only really after like the first year of like doing the grind day and in and out that it really, really start picking up. And obviously now like uh, it's one of the top podcasts in the space and uh, it's, we'd have like really, really great numbers. Um, But like, it was so easy just to give up in the start. Like I could have been like any moment yeah. so just like, screw this. Like, what am I doing it for? Uh, but I, if you have a purpose, like it, it really, really helps.
1: Yeah. I, I 100% agree. I think, like starting out is really the thing that makes or breaks you because it's always going to suck when you start out. Even like creating content on LinkedIn about things that I was publishing on my blog about customer success. The first thing I thought was, who the hell am I to talk about this, right? And why does anybody care about this? Um, So working past that, the, the whole like, why would I be qualified to say this? And also this is sucking right now. Like no one's even, no one cares about this. That that combination there—it's it's hard to get past. But once you do, it uh, hopefully works out.
0: Yeah, it's so hard, especially I think because typically like creators in their own minds, they're also very like the most self-critical people as well. So I think. Oh my god! Yeah. It, it's such a hard battle. Like you're putting stuff out there, and it's like, oh, this really sucks. This really sucks. But yep. it, like it only works and only gets better if you put it out there. And like it's this constant battle, I think, between like wanting to do something and then not wanting to suck at the same time. Yeah. Uh, the balance. But yeah, so uh, we previously as well, we were at Hotshot together and actually mentioned you in a previous episode, we discussed this uh, when it came to the concept of support driven growth, where uh, we had a chat about this, uh, we thought it'd be good as well to talk about it today. And in your experience, when it comes to sort of retention, typically, like in an organization, most companies would say, okay, customer success is responsible for retention, and uh, they give them the metrics to own, but ultimately, like. It's such a nuanced uh, problem, influenced by so many different inputs, and obviously support being one of those. And your experience there, so I've been asked maybe if you could just like, like give us an intro into the, your thoughts behind uh, like support-driven growth and uh, the role when it comes to customer support and retention, and we'll see what takes us from there.
1: Yeah, so support-driven growth was something that um, that I learned about through this other company called Help Scout. And they had wrote this amazing blog on this new concept they were trying out. Um, They didn't have a customer success team. It was like their support team was going to do success and a little bit of sales and a little bit of support all together. And I thought, well, that's crazy, first of all, but um, what else, what else do we have? So um, I thought about Hotjar and what we were trying to do and how, like, quickly it grew. And sometimes, you know, for example, back then when we were there, we had the $29 uh, subscription or, or plan. And so how do you support a customer that's paying $29 a month? You can't do it through one-on-one customer success. You're not going to do high touch. In fact, even, even uh, low touch would be too much of a um, kind of overhead for you to maintain that. And so at the time, support-driven felt like one of those things that customer success is always trying to be, which is it's a mindset for the entire company, not just a department. And so what we thought within my team was I was focusing on onboarding. So it was, I was leading that team and it was about three uh, additional folks that were working with me on that team. And so we decided to outline like what are the values that a customer should experience for, them to, for us to reduce time to value. And so whenever a customer wrote into us um, through support, we looked at their account, we saw whether or not they had turned certain features on or they had achieved a specific milestone. And then on top of providing support, we were like, hey, by the way, you know that if you did X, Y, Z, you would actually get X result. And that thing for us was our way of doing like this support, or sorry, the success within the support role. And I think for us, that that kind of opened our eyes to realizing like, wow, we really have this gap here where we should be driving value. And there's nothing within our current customer experience or our customer journey that's filling this gap. And so that's what support driven was all about. I felt like, you know, on the pro side, I think we did a really good job. But on the on the con side, we didn't really measure a lot of the the data because we just didn't have that um, kind of like that level of data that we needed to to really make the case for it. But ultimately for us, it was that kind of customer success mindset being executed on the customer support level.
0: Yeah, and I, I think at that time it made quite a lot of sense uh, for Archer as well because I think our customer success team uh, was really limited, like the customer support team was very large uh and the thing i loved about it the most as well though was that like typically email like you have been a blindness when it comes to email like nobody reads like the generic emails that go out and like trying to activate you on different features and uh, upsell and so forth but you have someone's attention when they're reaching out to you and they're asking for the support so like that's like the perfect moment that typically goes to waste in most businesses and yeah. going about it You mentioned like you had a few different um, actions that wanting to prioritize, like how did you go about sort of defining the first program of like getting this set up? Okay, we obviously support itself is already like swamped and uh, we're trying to just like be above board and breathe uh, solving support tickets. Like how did you go about sort of prioritizing what actions to try and uh, test first? And then how did you weave that into the whole mix and flow of everything?
1: Yeah, so... In all honesty, the first things that we were recommending were um, we were kind of just shooting in the dark. We were like, if someone doesn't have heat maps and recordings on, then we have to push them to do one one of those two things. Um, Then from there, we were like, well, if they have heat maps and recordings, maybe funnels is the next thing. So let's push them to do funnels. And so what we were doing was taking some of the customer stories that already existed, some of the points there, some of the wins that other customers had and injecting that into our response. So it would sound something like, hey, by the way, while I was checking out your heat map, I noticed that you didn't have recordings turn out. Turns out when you turn on your recordings, you can get a better sense of blah, 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 blah. So you, we're like telling them in a in a very like, I care for you sort of way that if you did this thing, you would also get value, additional value.
0: You get that. And then weaving in like sort of customer success stories you mentioned. So I'm, yes. I'm assuming you were mentioning some plays that others had tried and seen what they'd been successful with yeah yeah how do you see sort of that motion now like where you're at catalyst where it's a different ball game i guess the the 29 plan doesn't exist and uh there is the opportunity to do uh, because i think typically as well this is something that maybe in a low touch model and something like hot where there's no touch digital touch would be handled just through email and so forth like do you see this something that works across all different types of businesses and segments that these companies serve or it uh, was specific to case where it's really successful and- companies similar to
1: a I think it's important for for customer-facing teams to understand what are those value drivers and be able to identify if a customer is missing the mark on hitting those value drivers. However, I think that in a very high-touch model similar to um, us at Catalyst and the way we like to do customer success, it is difficult for someone in support to be like, by the way, you know, turn this, you know. And so at at that point, when you have that very high touch approach in customer success, it does make sense to have the customer success manager lead that because they're the ones that have the you know customer stories behind it. They're the ones that um, know how to strategically implement those things. And so what I think can happen there is actually customer support flagging, hey, by the way, it looks like this customer doesn't really understand this specific tool. And I think that's the way that customer support can do more of like that support driven um, approach to to just customer success really.
0: Yeah, this is something we chatted about with Ziv Pellet uh, previously on the show as well and how they structure their team as well at Apps Flyers when it comes to compensation. And part of the compensation really was around like how many like features or new uh, avenues can you get our customers to adopt as well. So um, like the customer success managers, if I remember correctly, were like that was their main goal it wasn't really about like upsell and expansion and driving revenue they knew that was sort of like the end outcome. It's like if i know i can get customers to um start using xyz new feature the natural outcome of that will be more revenue for the business but really focus on okay taking a look at accounts seeing what we can do to drive uh, usage within the product and uh, again like what features and uh, things are actually going to make them more successful but um like i say it's very similar like Depending on the stage of the growth size of company, what you can and can't support when it comes to your customer success managers uh, versus support. Yeah. Um, and now at Catalyst, like how do you structure your support and success teams? Like is there any overlap between the two? Um, where do you see them working well together, and where do you see like these opportunities for improvement? So the
1: customer success department has everything within it, like customer support, customer success, implementation, and I think, um, and also customer operations. They all sit within customer success. Um, And the way that they work together is, I'll give you an example. Like if we have a customer that has reached out several times through support, then our support team would, would flag it with us, a customer success manager on the account and say like, hey, by the way, such and such has reached out to us several times about X topic Um, or such and such had a very bad experience recently with this thing. And so there is this constant communication of like, here's what's happening in support with this customer. And I want to just let you know that this is happening. So when you get to, let's say your next monthly call or your quarterly business review, you're aware that this is a thing. But through our tool, so shameless plug, Catalyst does have an integration with Zendesk. So that means that Whenever there is a ticket that gets created in Zendesk, we see that in Catalyst. We have it within a dashboard. So we're aware of conversations that are happening on the support side. So, you know, before we jump into a monthly call, we could just look at that and quickly say, like, oh crap, they have a, a you know, a open ticket about this integration. And I know they mentioned that on the last call. So let me just check it out real quick.
0: Cool. So, I think you're lucky in that sense that you have the platform to be able to to aid and work through together. But um, it's it's interesting that they all fall under the same brand and umbrella, customer yeah. success, as well. These teams, uh, like you said, like we had this, we started the discussion that it's phrased in so many different ways and has so many different meanings. I think uh, you've just added a new one to the show as well today uh, from the definitions. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. So. Let me ask you a question that I ask every guest that joins uh, the show. Let's imagine a hypothetical scenario now that you join a new company. Turner retention is not doing great at this company. And um, the CEO comes to you and says, hey, Dana, like we really need to turn things around. We have 90 days to do it. You're in charge. What do you do? The catch, you're not going to tell me I'm going to go speak to customers, identify the biggest pain points and start there. You're just going to pick something that you've seen be really, really successful at reducing churn fast and run with that playbook blindly, hoping that it works. What would you choose?
1: Okay. So if I can't speak to customers, I would hope that I would still have some sort of data point to go back to. So for me, it's... Imagine
0: you don't have data as well. Like that's, uh, again, it's a cop-out. It's a cheat.
1: (laughs) Oh, okay. So no data. I'm just going into this blindly
0: and something you've seen be effective in helping reduce churn.
1: Okay. So if we're talking about a high touch, so a customer-led growth sort of tool, then I'm starting with my team. I'm starting with let's use our customer success team or onboarding team to have those conversations where we're understanding what's really going on. Like, driving discovery questions and then highlighting some customer stories that, again, we had success in because the more I work with customers, the more I realize like they don't care about what I have to say. They want to know what other customers have done to help them be successful. And so for me, the approach would be, let me lead with discovery-based conversations through my customer success team, understand what are the core issues behind why we're experiencing churn and then figure out what sort of customer wins have happened so that we can get these customers hyped around, you know, the success that other customers have had, but also let them know like there's hope down the road. We can implement this solution just as this customer has.
0: So your go-to then would really be like leaning back on success stories of previous customers and through the onboarding then like making sure people are aware of Uh, how they can be successful using the same software as in uh, XYZ.
1: Yeah. Cool. I would lean on my humans. I would lean on humans here, not necessarily like any tools to to do this. I think there is a lot of value in having very direct questions or direct conversations that are loaded with discovery questions to understand what is the core issue at hand so we can address it.
0: Cool. What's one thing that you know today about churn retention that you wish you knew when you got started with your career?
1: Oh, this is a good one. I think similar to something that we've talked about, like thinking back to the churn group at uh, Hajar, I think, I think we were naive to think that just a, a handful of people could solve this. Um, And that really, it does take the entire company to move forward and reduce churn. It's not like a one rep from each team sort of thing. It's like the entire company is on the same mission to do this. And the one thing that I'm really seeing um, is just critical when it comes to reducing churn, excuse me, is the alignment with the different leaders from different teams, right? We need marketing to actually sell, like to to advertise the right things, sales needs to actually close on the right things and bring in good fit customers. And then implementation has a very difficult job because they are the ones that need to dev- drive value really quickly. And we've all realized that if onboarding sucks, then I mean, your chances of saving this customer is like pretty much shit. And then you have customer success that needs to keep this thing going. It needs to like, like um, there's this guy named Rob Dollywall. I really like what he wrote in a, in a medium post. It's like, it's the art of sell and sell again. Like customer success is not done with sales. You need to sell and sell again. And then you have product and engineering that have to support, you know, and, and keep up with the expectations of the customer Um, and continue scaling the way that customers expect, especially if you're working at a startup. So I think that every team contributes to that. And so for us to blindly think that just because you have a customer success department, like we're good, we don't have to worry about churn. And they're the ones that are going to carry net revenue retention. It's just, it was silly for me to think that, Andrew.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I 100% agree with you on this. And I think like for me, from the podcast, it's it's top three lessons learned, I think, when it comes to churn retention. I would say it's the most important uh, alignment, but it's definitely in the top three. Uh, and I, I don't think I've ever talked about this specifically on the podcast. I always mention it to every guest that joins before, but uh, what Dinah was alluding to was at Hot Show at some point, uh, we were tasked to put together a churn team. I think we even gave ourselves a name like churn busters or something. I can't remember what the name was. <laughs> yes. There was a few different stupid names. Uh, <laughs> and the whole premise was just trying to get a person from each team as a representative within the organization, within the company. So we had someone from engineering, maybe had a couple of engineers, we had from supports, we had from success, sale. We didn't really have sales at the time, but in marketing. And then the goal was really for us as a team to sit together and to see like what we could do to reduce and retention. And I always say this in retrospect, it's a terrible idea. So if any of you are out there listening, thinking together, putting together a team to solve this, it's a company problem, not a team problem. Um, yeah.
1: And I yeah. think at the time we were just we were just trying to figure out, like, what can we do? Like, what can we quickly do? So it was a I would say it was a good uh, lesson learned for, for the entire company. It wasn't like anyone's direct fault. It was us just like, hey, what can we do to really action out? And yeah, it was a learning moment for all of us.
0: Yeah. The question that I typically ask at the end is like, what would you do in 90 days? It's, it's a difficult question because there's not much you can do in 90 days. Like no. churn and retention takes a long time to move. And it's like the biggest the needle that moves is when everybody's aligned. Like when everybody really understands the problem, they understand like which area of focus we're going after. And then everybody can set their targets to improve that. That's like when you see a step change. But if everybody's just trying to move like incremental changes independently and moving things like, you don't see, uh, you don't yeah. see the numbers move. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, there. To to your point, um, and I don't know if we mentioned this on this podcast, but like, you you need to um. So, churn is the outcome, right? And there's everything that's feeding into this machine, um. And so, by the time you have rat, you have uh, identified that there is potential risk for churn. Um, you you didn't do any of the leading indicators like you ignored all of the leading indicators here to get to that point so I think you know for us at Catalyst we're super lucky because our tool is literally designed to help us identify these potential churn risks so we're very sensitive when it comes to potential churn risks like let's say if I'm working with a customer success leader and they they leave the company I'm like oh that's a turn risk. Why? Because I have no idea who is going to be the next person that steps in and I have to work with this person. Maybe they've worked with another tool and they're like, nope, as soon as I get in there, I'm cutting this out. And so I think treating or flagging risk early on is kind of like, that's what we can avoid or that's what we could do to avoid getting to that uh, situation.
0: Yeah, for sure. And like you said, there's so many different indicators. And I think that's the biggest problem as well with channel retention is like, more often than not, people tend to focus on like, how can we stop those from churning who are about to churn when it's like 90% of the time, it's too late. Like if somebody's almost got to that point where they've decided like, I'm going to pull my credit card out, the damage has already been done. They haven't done what they need to be doing to be successful. So the efforts are really just better spent focusing your energy on activating new customers, onboarding them correctly, making sure you're getting them to value and uh, like delivering on the promise that marketing and sales and is selling before you. So... Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, one thing that we we see with like a larger, um, as it now that I'm doing more of like high touch work, it's this, this constant struggle of bandwidth. Some of these teams, they just like don't have the bandwidth to do certain things. So one area that I see coming up a lot within ourselves and even um, our customers as well is this need for professional services or like solutions architect, like these two roles are just constantly popping up because we realize like sometimes what our customers need is just resources and time. So that's also one that while it feels like to your point, like they're gonna pull this credit card uh, out of their you know payment stuff, um, it's really like, damn, they re- we really just need to listen and understand like why, why would you leave right now? And sometimes it comes down to their own ban- bandwidth. So it's one of those where it's like, you could, you could possibly have a success story here. If, if, you know, if that's the
0: reason. And if you have the bandwidth uh, to be speaking to the customer.
1: Correct. The bandwidth. And then they also need to have the money, which, you know, they don't have the bandwidth. Like, do we have the money for this? And yeah, it's a, it's a rabbit hole.
0: So uh, in closing as well today, because we're running up on time, like, how can the listeners keep up to speed uh, with the work? And obviously we started out uh, with like, what is the one thing that you'd recommend uh, to someone wanting to break into tech? Maybe what would be some of your closing thoughts as well then on if somebody is looking to really break into customer success, wanting to get a role in tech, uh, what should they be doing? And then um, how can they keep up to speed with your work and keep in contact with you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So honestly, you and um, Louis were the people that inspired me to start that blog called Keep the Customer. And it was, you know, I think at the time when I had spoken to you guys, I was like, look, I'm really trying to break into this er- other area, but it, it seems to be impossible because of the experience bit. And so that conversation um, that you guys had with me led me to create that resource that ultimately gave me the information that then allowed me to come across as a person that was knowledgeable and passionate about customer success. So for anyone that is trying to break into tech, consider creating content. Um, You know, we work or we live now in a very digital era where we can produce on whatever platform we want to um, and all of those things tell the story of our passion and um, our desire to work in a specific field so if you're like how can I start now start documenting like there's this one girl I follow uh, on TikTok, and she I think she has like 365 days to become a software engineer. And I love her content because she's literally documenting every single day what she's doing to get to that stage. And if I was a hiring manager or whatever, I'd be like, yes, that's the person I want because they're showing that they're doing this. So that is that is my additional tip um, on, on breaking into tech or breaking into customer success and then when it comes to where you can find me, I'm very active on, on LinkedIn still. So um, I'm really slow to reply to people on inbox, but, but I do reply at some point and I still create content on there. I have that website, thecustomersuccessproject.com. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm always open to chat with people who are looking to break into tech
0: very cool and obviously on TikTok now as well Uh, definitely check out the content there (laughs) if you look on a daily basis but yeah actually like it's funny that you said like just start creating content because I 100% like echo with you like I don't know how many people both of us have hired over the years but definitely like those are the things that stand out the ones that are really like just trying to do things even though there's no experience they're like putting an effort in and uh, trying to make and the stories where you see somebody actually like literally documenting the process of how to get a job in a specific role it's like you can see somebody's hungry and you know like that's the person you want to hire because they're putting their effort they're putting the hours to get there uh exactly very cool to hear well diana it's been a pleasure chatting to you today uh as always and um thank you so much for joining uh, for the listeners like all the resources that we recommended today will definitely be in the show notes you can check those out encourage you to follow diana uh, on the different uh, networks at. and yeah just thanks so much and wish you best of luck now going forward thanks andrew